Welcome to the She Do That podcast. My name's Hannah Lau Walker, founder of She Do That, and I'll be hosting this lovely Q&A today. I'll be chatting with the incredible Hanai Seda and Eno Juan following their wonderful episode on producers in animation. Now, if you haven't listened to that episode, please hit pause and go check it out now. It's a delightful and insightful conversation, so worth checking out. Now for this episode, we asked you, the listeners, to send in your questions. We wanted this to be a helpful way to engage with our audience and cover anything we missed in the previous episode. We got a load of questions in, so let's crack on. So thank you guys so much for coming back and chatting with us today. Um, last episode was so good and we got so many questions. So um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we spoke about, yeah, just starting off with some quick fire questions. So yeah, let's see what you think. Uh, so number one. How often do you work with freelancers remotely, especially in different time zones? On each project, all the time. <laughs> every day. Every day with every time zones. Uh, I recommend to anyone actually working in different time zones to use the World Time Buddy, the app. It's very useful. It is, um, it is a free app uh, on the website and it used to actually be paid and I used to pay for it. Um, the line used to pay for it and because you needed a paid account to add more than four time zones. But now they made it completely free because they're like, oh, we can actually just run this with um, ads. So this is free for everyone now and it's really useful. So I recommend anyone or give it to your producer or... Actually, actually I used it. But I didn't know that I was using it. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> "Is that is that the correct name?" Oh yeah, I'm already using it. <laughs> it's like it's it's almost like a really like underrated um, app. So like no one really talks about it. But when you bring it up, everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, I got that." Because like it's literally the only app it does this. There's nothing else that does exactly the same thing. God, already top tips. I love it. <laughs> Joe recommend. Yes. Yes. Right. So second question, um, is there a lot of maths and budgeting involved in your roles? Uh, not yet. <laughs> so for production managers, not so much, but um, as you get into producing more maths, more budgeting. Yeah, at least um, that's how my role is defined at the moment. I'm pretty sure that maybe at other studios, a production manager would also do that. I'm not sure. Mm. It, I, I guess like you still need to add things right because like you know like artists at ABC they spent like half days each for the tasks and like you're like sort of adding things up sometimes to figure things out yeah but it's it's basically a constant conversation with the finance person on whatever project I always thought like um, in the adult world like a math is like a really complicated but it's really funny, like, once you start, like, doing whatever things, like, the most complicated things you do is, like, things you learn, like, at age 13. Mm. Yes. I think so. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it, I, think, I think the producer's math is a lot about uh, proportions and percentage. So you do need to have the kind of, like, you know, how, how do you calculate, like, a percentage of, like, 100 pounds, 20% you're, like times 0.2, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of basic math. 
Um, sweet. Okay. Number three. Is it useful or necessary to be an animator before you become a producer? Mm, that's a question for you now. Uh, it's useful, but not necessary, I would say. It's useful because I just understand the the softwares and um, where everyone's at, basically, or what the problems are when they, oh, uh, I don't understand this thing in TV Paint, which I use so I can literally explain to them. I don't need to find someone to explain to them. But it's not necessary. But, like, I also thought, Hanai, didn't you? I thought you were the illusionist before you started producing, no? Yeah, I was uh, actually I was going to point that out because I was a colorist and I think any like a kind of ground level um, knowledge the production person can have has a massive impact in like that person's understanding of like what's needed where and here. And it, that is actually really, really useful for producer because if you just like study the business or something, understand all kinds of math and um, strategies and how to negotiate all kinds of things and you come into the project and you happen to sort of pro project manage, manage as a producer is a completely different world because you need to actually understand like what's really happening like these ants who are carrying these like food that they found like how are they actually carrying it how much are they carrying it you know what I mean like they don't know so yeah it's it's really um useful thing I think it doesn't have to be actually like an animator necessarily but just to have that um how do you call it like a basic understanding of not even basic actually like some really complicated um kind of tasks of like what asset goes to comp you know or like what what do we need like all the ingredients to be cooked sort of thing and that recipe can only be found by sort of working on the ground level so it's something I learned actually today talking to Michaela, our production assistant at the line, um, that she told me about like what she's doing now with, um, because at the line, even you start as a production assistant, you're doing a lot of like a very kind of creative tasks, like uh, updating edits or like ingesting the anima like animatic storyboard frame onto um, PSD so the layout artists can start drawing it you know that kind of like a back-end prep that no one knows like who's doing and so in a small studios like sometimes like artists themselves are doing it I think but we try to have all of that uh, done by the art um, done by the assistants and that knowledge to the assistants is really useful for them to understand because they're putting actual you know file together for an artist knowing that what the shot is or like what it takes, this is like a bigger layout, smaller layout, or like exporting files from animation, backgrounds, what needs to be split in the background so that comp can do this. You know, like it's kind of like a really, how do you call it, like a boring task, I think, but really, really important. It helps everyone to do their job. And that also helps their knowledge to understand what really takes to, you know, make these things. So. Big yes to this question. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I had no idea that um, that's what pr production assistants were doing at the line, but that sounds so helpful, like just having a working knowledge of like all those different parts and how it all fits together. That sounds great. 
you know these things like it's all all like kind of off the hands sometimes and i think it is really essential like i saw i felt like oh it is even though like maybe your job is to oversee the like high level things like knowing this like a ground level what's really like what are these crumbs you know is really important i think so that you know what they're actually doing yeah, that's why I was saying that it's useful but not necessary, only because I know one. So we had one um, studio manager uh, once at Golden Wolf and it was still a full timer there. And she had no animation background at all, but she was so curious about everything. So at each step, she would come and ask, and how does this work? She would take notes and was just super involved and interested, which I found really amazing. And then she got to do uh, a couple of production tasks as well. So I think it's possible without doing what you just described, honey, but it's just way harder probably because you just, yeah, you just need to study basically. Yeah, you have to be super keen to like want to know all those things and want to like delve into how it all, how it all gets made. Um, oh, great. That's a great question. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, audience. <laughs> um, so yeah, number four. Which software do you think best for scheduling and tracking, etc.? So is there any particular software you guys use? I'm assuming Excel, but maybe there's something very specific. Uh, I use Google Sheets a lot. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Um, at least at the studio where I'm at, it's quite small, so we don't use any, for example, the Shotgun or F-Track or these kinds of things. We're not using that because we're quite small. I always thought Shotgun was more of a 3D uh, like software for some reason. Uh, I think a lot of 3D studios use it, but I do know of one 2D studio that does use it as well, but maybe also because they do both. Yeah. I think these like um, like a project management software, I don't know if that's what they're called, um, is, mo is more catering sort of like the like bigger teams of like a recurring works. So, you know, like uh, places like VFX Studios. And I think that's the impression you've got is like, a, it's more like 3D stuff is because it's predominantly made for uh, VFX work, I think. And then animation is very close to like a VFX workflows and pipelines. And we are always trying to, I think, um, incorporate those like handy tools, not necessarily built for animation, but like applying them, I think. like. It, I think apps like Toon Boom, like they make their own app called like a producer. We don't use it at the line, but um, I think that's definitely more like something if you're working on like a Toon Boom package throughout, like let's say if you're like producing a series or something, then that's really useful. I don't know if they, you, like people who produce series actually use them, but like, yeah, it's like, it could be a, like a full package, I guess. But my vote is Google Sheets because it's it's so good i mean and i think i i i feel like we're like the like how do you call it like if nfts are like a web three like we are like a spreadsheet two like it, and it's really funny to be working with like uh working on google stuff and sometimes like people come from like a bigger companies that like a, doesn't allow them to use google sheet because of like um security reasons and like these people always want to like a version up the document and i've been there before so i understand 
like uh, you have like a version one of a schedule, and then in Google Sheets, I usually go into the history and like version it because you can do that. And then if you name it, you can then go back to that named version to see. Okay, so in this state it was this, but you don't actually need to create a same file again and again. Because sometimes Google Sheet is so powerful, and you're like connecting things, linking all the information for calculation. You don't want to be duplicating them or copying them, so that you have to relink them. So it's always like saying the same file, but like you're versioning it inside, and that concept just doesn't exist in Excel spreadsheet. So like sometimes, like when I have people like who are more used to just like Excel setup, it's just because of like where they come from. It's like, oh, can I version this up? And it's like, no, you can't. That's the only thing I tell you. You can't. You have to go in and say, "Hey, this is like how you can track in the history, and you can name it, and you can date the version." That sounds so useful, though. Like way more than having like a million. Because I mean, like my animation files, like there's just hundreds of like going on and on and on, and it just feels like it's just filling up space for no reason. But yeah, versions are important. It's just that it it does have Google Sheet has that functionality, and it. Allows, I think it allows the document to be live all the time, rather than, you know, going on to the next version. But because if that needs to be linked to something, then that's extra work for you to be linking it. Also, you can just yeah to, to go to more basic stuff. You can just build yourself what you need, and that's why Google Sheets, because whatever other software often is like, oh, but I would like to do this, but. This function doesn't exist. Yeah, and in Google Sheets, you just do whatever you need. Yeah, that freedom is so good. It's like a sense, right? Like, uh, <laughs> or like a, it's like a why people like mine Minecraft. Yeah, Google Sheets are like a producer's Minecraft because you're like you don't really want to use. It, it, it's really interesting. It's like when we are trying to use, like, let's say we use F-Track at the line, and it's really useful for uh, pipeline and uh, project tracking. Um, but for scheduling, it's still quite difficult um, because it doesn't have that sort of um, flexibility, I think. We're still trying to use it now, I think, um, and see how we can sort of incorporate it to the way that we need. But, um, yeah, it's like it's really interesting, like, the, the power of grids on spreadsheets are so immense. I just want to have one day sitting down watching you in Google Sheets and just experience. <laughs> you will be frightened. <laughs> I'm joking. It's quite simple. I, I want to feel afraid. So, yeah, that would be good. But it's been breaking down and making all the producers completely crazy. So it's my actually next, next like, I don't know, like something I want to do is to optimize version version three <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there needs to be some kind of like a spreadsheet app like thing that does these like calculation a little bit easily and i don't know maybe like it's like a, some kind of template that comes with it or i don't know yeah i can think about some like a really useful product for like a small size 2d animation studios <laughs> such a specific app yeah really, really well. niche really niche <laughs> <laughs> but I think everyone would buy it though literally yeah. every <laughs> every two weeks to go I don't think anyone 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 cracked it though right because like there's still a lot of things like I do like it's like really manual 
And so I'm like, oh, why am I doing this? Like, so stupid. <laughs> but sometimes you just need to see the data in different ways and that, you know, the spreadsheet doesn't allow that. There's lots of other apps actually does. Um, but sometimes their functionality doesn't quite do exactly what you need, I think. Sweet. So Google Sheets it is <laughs> for now until Hanai develops her own app and then we'll all start using that. <laughs> Yay, I can't wait. Okay, question five. When working with freelancers, what are some of the top qualities they should have? Be nice and communicative. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you're in a different time zone. (laughs) Or, yeah, just remotely. I think I remember um, what you were saying from, you know, from the last episode was, uh, yeah, about how you realise transitioning into production that you're like oh this is why a producer is asking this oh this is why I should be like telling them where I'm at or like what I'm experiencing and as soon as you said that I was like ah yes that is 100% why people keep asking me things like you're going I don't know I'm just busy leave me alone (laughs) as a director do you feel that too now because you need to keep track of a lot of things as well yes suddenly you see all these moving parts and it's like oh Okay, yeah, no, I really need to know, like, <laughs> what you're up to, how long you feel it'll take. Like, it's fine. I just, like, you know, need to slot it into everything, mm. how everything else is flowing. Yeah, I definitely realise I should, when I'm animating, need to be much more communicative. <laughs> is there a trick that's um, from you guys, actually, like, what is, like, the best way to approach that? Because, like, I, I also know that, like, hey, how long does that take? I also have this like really scary question of like, what is the percentage of your completion? And they're like, oh my God, honey, I don't know. <laughs> it's like 60%, 80%. Because that just helps us to understand like, you know, to, for us to know like where you think you are at. But I think there is definitely like some, like there's a nicer way to ask that, I think. If it's like in written form, then using lots of emojis. <laughs> Lots of emotions. Yeah, that's like definitely the sliver of our modern communication. Yeah. And then the other thing is maybe when someone's new, I think if I've worked with someone before, it's fine. But when I haven't worked with someone, I try to explain why I'm asking for something. So I just say, hey, can you let me know how long this will take you? Uh, One, either because comp will start soon or whatever. Or the other thing is I just need to know where we're at so that I can plan the next thing. And then usually they're a bit less scared. I hope at least. <laughs> no, I, th- I imagine they will be. I feel like having at the question with, oh, it's okay. It's not, it's not about you. Yeah, exactly. It's about me. I need this for something else. <laughs> You're doing great. But just uh, please tell me when it will come <laughs> just so I can know. Yeah. That that really like comes to the point that like every communication is like so much about context. Yeah. Like you know, like when someone's asking and you're like, oh, why? Why are you asking this? You know, sort of thing. I I come across with that a lot. Like it was actually like maybe one of the biggest things like I learned is like communication is kind of like like this like sliding the the context so that that person can use sort of not use their imagination but like have enough information to understand like why you're talking about this i think because like when when does it like communication doesn't work very well it's most of the times it's like a lack of context 
like you know when you jump on the meetings like you don't really know what we're talking about sort of thing yeah especially with like slack and zoom it feels like you always start halfway through a conversation and you're like wait what yes uh, and then you're just like, I, I might have done something wrong, is generally my assumption, especially when I'm animating. You're just like, this isn't on me, damn it, what did I do? Um, but, you know, actually it's just everyone's always halfway through a conversation when it's, you know, a big project that has lots of moving parts. Oh, they could talk, so talk, what was oh, the topic? Talk nice. Nice. We agreed on nice. Communicative. And do you have any other top qualities? Good. <laughs> Definitely helps. Definitely helps. <laughs> Essential. Good. Nice. Good. I had it fast, but sometimes fast isn't that important. It's more about having like a two or three, that triangle that you can't have all three. Yeah. You can't just be nice. To be honest, you can't just be a nice person, but being nice is so important. Yeah. I think it just makes it easier, isn't it? I like to, like it just sort of lets everyone gel a bit easier, especially when there's so many people. If you're like a bit rude, it's sort of like a sea urchin, spiky, <laughs> cranky, <laughs> unhappy. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. But I think everyone, everyone has some kind of like quirks. I think, and I also like that when you when you're a bunch of like weirdos, like working hard. And like kind of like butt hitting, rumbling to make something. I think that's also pretty cool. So yeah, maybe communicative. So that's nice, commutative, personal quirks. <laughs> communicative, good, fast. Uh, but they don't have to be fast necessarily. <laughs> communicative and good, of... and then brackets fast. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's let's crack on to uh, question six. What are studios looking for in young animators? I mean, potential is always a thing, obviously. Um, yeah. What do you think, Anai? <laughs> are you casting lots of young animators? We do, but mm. often we we actually find them by chance, and it's kind of. I mean, they, they will send in their um, websites and we'll just be amazed by their work anyway. And then we will try them on smaller projects. Um, but yeah, that's just talent, basically. <laughs> so not sure if that's uh, so interesting. Mm. It's like, I feel like in like, sort of like an internet age, yeah. like everyone is good. Yes, yeah. In 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 some some levels, you're like always impressed yes. by someone, and I feel like um, like all of these like young talents, the young animators we work with, I feel like the being impressed actually comes first, and then we think about like oh, but they might not have like experience working with the studio or like working professionally, and we will be able to sort of guide them through. But I feel like these young artists. And the ones that we work with, I feel like that it usually starts with like being impressed by their work. So maybe having something that you really are good at. I because I feel like I'm interpreting this question as like how do I get my fast foot in sort of thing. Yeah, 
what are you looking for in young animators? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that comes in with like the, and this is kind of a difficult question, right? It's like what we're looking for at the time. You might get in as like someone to sweep the floor, like, you know, like a runner or something. And then you happen to like draw really well, like a very specific things, like a girl wearing this thing. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, actually, I just saw his on the website, on his Instagram. Let's get him draw that. You know, like, so you never know, like, um, it's kind of, it's, it's almost like you kind of need to be special in something, you know, to, to be discovered, or you can be like one of many to kind of work up, you know, I think lots of us are, you know, we found jobs somewhere just, but then when we found that job, I think we found it because you had something that you know they chose you because you had something mm. yeah I think so I think I was always hired for like being energetic just like nothing else like yeah you have great energy I remember I got hired as an intern because I was not specialized in anything so basically they were like oh you can be a generalist and hop on anything and then that's how I started animation assistance a little bit and yeah before that I just do boring tasks <laughs> helping 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 the designer <laughs> but not actually designing myself <laughs> I was like because I remember when we first met and you were on the design team and I was like and then left and at the end like as I left I found you were like animating I was like wait what you're like an amazing animator what's going on it's like how did you fall into like design yeah sort um, of I guess it's that thing of yeah there's having something about you that draws a studio's attention, but actually pinpointing that is near to impossible, I'm going to say, because it changes forever. It's quite hard, yes. Number seven, who is responsible in an animation studio for what source materials will be adapted for a project? Is this about, what, like, let's say, if there's a, like, a book, and, like, let's say stuff like... Um... Uh, Lupus is doing. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of. I remember the question was like, for example, um, manga or anime, and I think I d- I don't know if maybe it was something that they'd seen at the line potentially, um, but I imagine that's. Do you get to choose that, or does or does a does a person with source material come to your studio, come to you as a producer? But it's essentially like, because um, like this person obviously think about animation as like a con- content that they watch on Netflix or, you know, Ghibli film that is um, adapted from British children's novel or stuff like that, right? Or like a, maybe like a, some anime uh, that has been like adapted from mangas. And it all has like a different like a business um, motivation that the business reasons why they, these things are made. It's, it's almost like who decides it's like, I don't know if I'm actually like the right person. Cause I might be just like bragging out of like, out of my, like a small piece of knowledge on this. It's more like an IP, IP business areas. It's not really animation production per se. Um, at the line, we have head of uh, development, uh, Lisa, who 
deals with um, sort of like de developing like a new technology, new content, new IP, you know, uh, within the line. Like what, what's our like internal projects and what can, we, can be made um, and stuff like that. And I think in a kind of small scheme of things, like that's like what it is, right? Like maybe like someone has like a really cool idea and, you know, oh, let's try to make that into a TV series. Like it actually comes from like a sort of creative um, motivation as well as this like a business standpoint of like having an IP, you know, that you can develop and kind of let it out in the world that would flourish into like a different part of business, like making toys, um, making, I don't know, hot pancakes, you know, like or selling this or, you know, different things. So content and licensing businesses like it starts like this intellectual property they grow from wherever you know like maybe like they come from like there's this like um uh what's it called a japanese pop star called miku hatsune and she was a what's it called like a vocaloid so like some producer created her as an like you know idol and wrote her songs and vocaloided the voice. So it didn't matter, I guess, who sang it really, because the voice was made. And she's really popular, even though she's just like, a, it's a bit like gorillas, I guess, like not like real, you know? So yeah, and for example, gorillas is also a good um, example because gorillas exist as a band and they want a music video so that, why it became animation i don't think we answered this question very well actually it was just a scattered information wasn't it what do we do <laughs> no i found it very interesting yeah i did i found it really interesting i was like i really like this question i, was, I thought um initially when they sent it in it would just be like oh uh like a producer or a director next <laughs> so you know, i feel like i feel like we've all learned a lot i'm gonna say Thank you, Hedai. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to jump on to the next one? So, number eight. Is there any difference between 3D and 2D projects when managing and scheduling? Because you're both, like, more comfortable with 2D, is it? Or yeah. Yes, for sure. I haven't worked on a 3D project yet. But um, my partner is directing a 3D project at the moment. Because of that, I find it quite interesting just watching what the steps are, because obviously the pipeline is very different. And then even simple things, like for us, we talked about one thing, which I found interesting, that for me, I can look at a rough animation, for example, and understand what where this is in, in terms of percentage of how, how finished it is. But when I get a 3D play blast, I'm lost. <laughs> it's like, okay... Is this the final animation? Is this not the final animation? Because I, I can only judge the final rendered image. This is just a very basic example, but yeah, just the workflow is very different. I feel like it also goes back to the previous question of like, do you need any experience to like produce um, on animation? And I feel like potentially you would need more experience pr to produce 3D because there's just so much stuff. As a 2D person, I don't even know what that stuff is. So I'm just using the broad term of stuff. Um, I feel like a 3D yeah. is more like, um, 
it depends on the size of the projects as well, right? So, like, again, going back to something like VFX, you're, like, a part of this, like, a massive production of, like, a new, like, Avengers film or something. Then you're, like, really, do, like, if you're starting up as, like, a like, production assistant, you're, like, really looking at, like, part of very small part of the production, Whereas I think if you are working for like a small company, like, you know, where I work or where, you know, works and doing 3D stuff and understanding the pipeline is going to be like a massive difference, I guess. Like when you're starting out to see the, how you can understand the full ways of like how things are made. And 3D is definitely like a lot more technical. It requires like a sort of, um, it requires more like inputs from, technical people <laughs> and knowledge um rather than just like you know or like how do how do we make this is i think you know when you're like breaking down this shot like how do we do this like is this what like are we gonna do this 2d bg 2d is just that really whereas when you have the 3d there's then the question of, is this going to be animation is this going to be simulation you know like there's loads more like variations i think in the way and those more variation in the, you know, the look that you can achieve, which will directly connect to, like, how much things will cost, I think. So, yes, 3D definitely has um, more complexity. And managing, scheduling, yes, 3D has a lot more back and forth, sort of, like, what's the words? Like, um, it's it might not be as um, linear, yeah. To be honest, I think when I moved to London, I felt like um, the Western way of making animation is really unlinear. Like <laughs> directors have like a lot of like freedom to change things in like different areas. And oh, yeah. it's already cleaned up. Don't change it now. <laughs> <laughs> no notes. Yeah, it's there's definitely more like sort of like a back and forth in the in the process that is allowed. I thought because it was quite difficult for me to understand as well. But yes, 3D, 3D, quite big difference. 3D is technical. You do need to kind of um, get the the knowledge, muscle up the knowledge. I really don't feel like I have enough 3D knowledge. It's more about, you can have both though. You can have both in one project, I think. That's something to, something to note because when people talk about like, oh, is that 3D project, 2D project? Everyone thinks about 3D as like a kind of... Um, you know like a card what, what's it called like a shaded um look like a pixel look but 3d now has so much possibility and people are continually you know um experimenting things like what's possible to do in 3d like you know the way you work with um 2d animation and 3d giving like a lot of uh, flexibility not so much flexibility but um uh, ways to um ways to achieve like a complicated or like heavily designed animation to be rendered very quickly so it doesn't have to be like a separated i think it's it's more and more so i think combined even though you're doing 2d projects you're always in, you know incorporating 3d techniques to lay out to you know achieve the like very impressive camera move or you know only way for you to achieve that is to incorporate 3d sometimes without rendering frame by frame your background for example that's good to know that yeah because I, I actually never really thought about yeah that it does 
you can have those as layouts and things that are just like helpful also now I'm thinking I should definitely learn some more 3D because that would make my life easier (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah blender is free yes blender is free I've been meaning to learn blender it looks really um good so one day tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) one day (laughs) um but yeah all right then so question nine any project management courses or training that you guys would recommend i would like to to know that where this exists ah, actually apa masterclass is a um, training for new producers to understand all things advertising production and it's really um, essential, actually, for anyone who wants to work in the advertising production to understand um, the contract systems and how how things usually work, like the rates of people. But it's all about live action, mostly, like APA stuff. That sounds like a good a good potential base if you want some sort of um, broad understanding, maybe, of um, advertising. Projects. I don't know how you can you can get on this course without being part of the APA, actually. But I have had some freelancers doing it. So I think someone once recommended screen skills to me, but I yes, screen skills have uh, actually they they've been doing loads of like a good um, workshops, and mostly they're free. I think yeah, but not very specifically about these like a short form animation production. I think. Yeah, that doesn't really exist. It's like so niche. There are, because um, haven't they started doing degrees now in production management and um, producing? I feel like there's like a school in Denmark, maybe that animation workshop. Yeah, Goblin has it as well, actually. The producers' course, and also maybe like Escape Studios, they might have that National Film and Television School. I'm sure they have that actually. Producers' course. I actually know one person who graduated from there. But really, like, if you want to produce something, I really think you should just start as a runner somewhere and just really work hard shit, like, to get somewhere. Because I don't know how useful to, like, learn things. You know what I mean? Even, like, to become an animator. Yeah. Maybe, like, being part of, like, an animation workshop, all these, like, elite school and being surrounded by these, like, you know, like, latest creative minds is, like, really inspiring. Yeah, but for producers, I don't know. I feel like you should just, like, get your hands dirty and just, like, work hard. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> well, I do feel it's, like, a lot of producers I know, like, started as runners or, like, as receptionists at studios and then just, like, you know, saw how it was all working and then, because of that, were able to, like, uh, work their way up. So, yeah, I feel like, off, I mean, say this as not a producer, but it's, like, it doesn't <laughs> seem like you necessarily have to. It's, like, better to, like, be around the projects rather than like I don't know look at them academically I suppose well what just someone told me once was that um when they did some production work basically at uh, in a in a university environment it was not under real circumstances so in the end they felt like oh I learned more actually just working at a studio but I, I mean that was that person's experience I don't want to downplay any I feel like it's the same with animation skills as well, though. Like, you learn in such a, like, a void when you're at uni. Right, yes. And then when you're on a job, like, the environment and, like, the pressure is so different that you're suddenly, I think, performing so much better. 
Mm. Um, and you have way more resources in the sense of like talented people around you. So it's like, yeah, I agree with Hanai. Get those hands dirty. Just get in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Just get going. It's also like schools are really expensive now, right? Oh my yes. god! Yeah, <laughs> yes, crazy. Yeah, it's all—it's almost like having like a. It's I think the growth is always having a really good mentor. Like you found a mentor that like who teach you, who care about you. Like whoa, you won. That's great. Or you're given some kind of freedom and responsibility at really early stage, and you have that kind of um, like a proactiveness to to make that happen even though it was a scramble work of like some shit patched together you know that's something like the best you could do like that's like the best way to learn so these two I think is always really helpful maybe better than like a course that you pay because you get paid to do that yeah that's a bonus (laughs) so yeah last quick fire question these haven't been the quickest of questions but so I apologize um but Number 10, is producing still a fairly creative and artistic role? Yes. It depends on the what kind of producer you are, I'd say. Yeah. A good producer um, can think very creatively and artistically and understand the process. And understand, for example, what the client wants, keeping in mind the client's vision as opposed to which is not always the same as the director's vision, for example. And then, I mean, it's not the producer's task to give directions, but they can point out, oh, but remember, the client said they specifically don't like this kind of thing, so maybe let's have a think about this and that. But if they mean, if a producer would ever pick up a pen and draw something. Unless time's really tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just said that, but also, I just said that, but also... I helped on the cleanup recently, so it was like, well, it can happen. (laughs) But that's not... Yeah, and also there's this impressive story of um, Japanese anime production assistant that the some I think some episode of some series went like literally like Mm. a shit fan, hit the fan, shit. (laughs) And this guy was quietly... um, doing the fixes oh. on the animation before sending it to cleanup. Oh, and that's the reason only reason why this episode was saved because this guy apparently oh, wow. like fixed it like without telling anyone. <laughs> and now he became like animation director. I don't know who this like a legend is. But like I've I've had it. Wow, somewhere. he sounds like a hero. I mean, I don't know him, but um yeah. But I really echo um you know about that point like it's it's more about uh, understanding everyone's um, opinion and kind of shepherding them into you know what's what's been agreed sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, you can't you can't uh, ignore that for sure. Very good point. Well done, both of you. Well done for the quick fire round. It wasn't quick. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So yes, after our quick fire round our long quick fire round um yeah so we have some like other like more uh, involved questions um so yeah the first one is any advice for small production teams how to deal with clients scheduling budgets i guess keeping things simple 
No, I, I was thinking, um, because it's a quite wide question, but one thing I talked about recently with um, the team at Double Plus is managing expectations or setting expectations when thinking about notes, for example. Um, in theory, they could give endless notes, but if you tell them we only have this limited amount of time, so we have time for two rounds of notes, for example, then they know beforehand, and then maybe they will pay more attention looking at stuff for feedback rather than just throwing in a new note each round, which they could have seen before, for example, but then didn't say or this kind of thing. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I never... That's a really good point. Manage expectations. Which I think at the line is already happening naturally, but especially I think like younger or yeah, more new freelancers, for example, they might not know that and then they get swamped with things that they couldn't have anticipated. But then if they say something afterwards, like when this thing is already happening, then the client will get annoyed. So it's a bit of a saving both sides kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like managing expectation is like a really like a good umbrella sort of like a motto in I guess like you're doing any work with anyone, like let's say we are managing this expectation of like, uh, I don't know. I was thinking like, uh, today's procedure that I forgot. Uh, it's at eight, okay, at seven, okay. I'll probably need it until nine. Yeah, it's going to be like two, two hours. You know, you know what I mean? Like expectation. And now it's like a quarter past eight. I'm totally fine with that because I have this expectation, that sort of thing. Um, but I feel like that expectation can be, um, when you when you're a small team, and when you've done this once already, you can already start putting that into some kind of like a structure, I think. And more as you, building structure as you go, I think, is, you, is quite difficult because you're like shambling, jumbling through the like a mess of everything. But when you have a moment to like kind of take a breeze and, ah, we did this and put that info together. And next time, even though that might not be like a template or anything, but next time you're like, oh, actually, yeah, I put that list together there, dig it out and then fill that in. Already your mind is organized. So that kind of, um, how do you call it, templating mindset. Yeah, you're like building from each project. Even though it doesn't work like that, yeah, with everything. But I think, yeah, that's maybe like one pro practical advice. That's like a first thing I think people start doing. That's just some good uh good building blocks do you reckon we have enough time for one more sneaky question to end let's um go to what's the best part of being an animation producer and production manager mm, for me it's working with super talented people in general and just seeing what they produce and then also when when they're happy with the work and then we're happy with the work and everyone is proud of each other, it's quite nice. And also, uh, the animation industry is full of very nice people, which I highly appreciate. Like, I, I haven't met so far, I think, anyone who's like a total jerk. Mm, I really echo, um, you know, about like what a bliss to just be surrounded by like really impressive artists 
like so inspiring and you don't know what you know took them to sort of acquire those skills it's like magical it's something like you're like oh how do you like how do you how do you become to do that you know and that's really that's really one thing i think i think other i don't know um i might sound like a bit like um what's the word like uh selfish but i really like just kind of being quite useful because producer is such um it's it's quite like a lonely job and that's like I've been told by like um, other producers before that, oh, producer is such a lonely job. Well done for, you know, just holding on to it, just owning it. And, you know, that kind of, um, I don't know. It's just when you're thanked, you feel like good. Like, yeah, I love it. I love being helpful and useful. And like watching films that you produced, you're like, whoa, we made this. And sometimes you feel like, oh, I didn't do much on this, really. But, you know, because none of your work is really visible. But I think it's it's that, like, um, like a fulfillment of, like, a completing something, I think, is, like, always, um, yeah, kind of, like, keeps me going. It's probably the same for any anyone who works in animation, I think, that, that point. Yeah, I found it interesting that you said that um, producers feel lonely because I felt more lonely as an animator. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I would think I'd just be working on my shot and then delivering my shot. And my main contact would be notes or feedback. Okay, this is approved now. But as a production manager, I talk to everyone on the team, kind of. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I feel... I feel useful in a more direct way because people are literally asking me oh can you help me with this thing when as an animator you work in your shop and then you get so focused on doing this one task that you kind of forget that you're also helping someone mm. basically but yeah yeah that's actually a really good point yeah i never feeling useful is a <laughs> is a very good point actually yeah i never thought yeah i never thought about that yeah actually producers talk to everyone so we have that, like, a place to sort of touch points. Really good point. <laughs> Great points, guys. Really good points. We've done it! You <laughs> did it! Thank you so yes. much. Thanks so much for putting this together. Yeah, thank you so much. That was uh, amazing. A huge thank you to Hanai Seda and Yuno Kwan. It's been the best chatting with them about producing and production manager roles. Hopefully you'll all have found it as enlightening as I did. Thank you so much to the audience for listening and sending in more questions. We really try to answer as many as we could and we look forward to hearing your feedback. Stay tuned for our next episode and from everyone at Shijuvap, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.